Could you take the word of God with me and we'll go in our Bibles to Paul's second epistle to Timothy, chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'd like to begin by making this uh, statement that will really summarize the message. And if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. <clears throat> the direction of your heart regarding the truth will determine your daily habits. The direction of your heart regarding the truth will determine your daily habits. And your daily habits will determine your destiny hereafter. If you wanted to simplify that, you could just write the phrase, direction of your heart, and then an arrow. Daily habits, and then another arrow, destiny hereafter. The most important thing in your life and mine is the current state of our heart in regard to the truth. How is our heart oriented to the truth of God's word. Now, if you look up a definition for this word truth, you'll find that truth is that which corresponds to reality. It's how things really are. And so sometimes we don't like the truth, uh, but it doesn't change the fact that that's reality. Uh, for me, as a Caucasian basketball player, I don't really like the truth or the reality of gravity. You've heard the, or some of you have probably heard the saying, white man can't jump. And when I'm playing basketball, I, I, I am uh, very aware of the reality of gravity. And even though I don't like it, and I'd like to be able to jump higher and float in the air, uh, I can't because of gravity. And you may not like a particular uh, aspect of the truth, uh, but we are all subservient to God's laws for reality. He is the one that created the law of gravity, uh, that what comes up must come down, at least here on our earth. He's the one who created the laws of thermodynamics, and we can go on and on. And to try to live contrary to God's laws of reality always brings consequences. You know, if I jumped out of a building believing I could fly... I would be struck with the reality of gravity and I would probably die or be severely injured. And when, when this applies to God's moral law, what he has revealed in his word, whenever we go against the truth, whenever we go against God's laws of reality, there are very harmful consequences. But what I want you to see this morning is that truth isn't just a set of doctrines or a, a dogma or a creed. Truth is a person. And that person is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is why the direction of your heart regarding the truth is so critical. Because truth is a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And your attitude toward this book is your attitude or your heart's orientation toward the Lord Jesus. And as the truth of God, Jesus Christ is the only one that can give us a thorough and true understanding of reality. 
Through him, we can understand what's going on in this world and what our purpose is for being on this planet. In Revelation 4.11, we, we read of our purpose. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We were created for God's pleasure. We were created to enjoy him and glorify him forever. And only through Jesus Christ, only through the truth of God, can we understand that. Through the Lord Jesus, we understand that God loves us. How else would we know beyond any doubt that the God of heaven loves us if he hadn't sent his son onto this sin-cursed planet to redeem mankind from our sins? Through Jesus, we know that God loves us. Through Jesus, we know that God's intent, His desire, is to save us. To save us from our sin. And to save us from our enemy, the devil. You know what sin is? Sin is when you and I try to live contrary to God's laws of reality. And it always brings awful consequences. And only through the Lord Jesus Christ can we be saved. From, from this evil intent of our hearts to always live contrary to God and His laws. As the truth, Jesus Christ expounds to us how to live a life in harmony with the truth. He expounds it. He explains it. He teaches us from His Word. There is no teacher like the Lord Jesus Christ. When He preached, they wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of His mouth, Luke 4.22. The Bible says the common people heard him gladly. He, he wasn't boring. He wasn't some stuck-up theologian. The common people loved hearing him. Why? Because the Bible says he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Those who were sent to arrest the Lord Jesus couldn't bring themselves to lay hands on him. Why? They said, never man spake like this man. Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher and he expounds, he explains, he, he shows us how to live a life in accordance, in agreement with God's laws of reality. Not only does he expound to us how to live this kind of life, he exemplifies this life. In 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says, even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we, that ye should follow his steps. And the next verse says, who did no sin, who never lived contrary to God's law, who was always in harmony with his Father's will. He exemplifies for us how to live a life in harmony with reality, but also he empowers us to live this kind of life. You know, that's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel isn't just how you can get fire insurance, how you can get your ticket to heaven and then forget God until you die. The message of the gospel is for the believer. And it's this message that, that Paul preached, Colossians 1, he says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you're a believer this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who knows how to live in this world in accordance with reality, in accordance with his Father's will, that same Lord Jesus lives inside you to empower you to live the life that God designed for you. And this is why it's critical that we examine ourselves this morning and we sincerely ask, how is my heart currently oriented to the truth? What direction am I going in regard to the Lord Jesus Christ? Before we go any further, we're going to pray. And as I pray out loud, I would urge you to pray from your heart and ask your God to reveal the state of your heart this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your truth. We thank you that because you've given us a Bible and because you sent your Son into this world to save sinners, we thank you that we can know you, we can know your will, we can understand reality, and we can live in accordance with it. But Father, it all starts with the the state of our hearts. And we ask that this morning, your Holy Spirit would work in each of our hearts, that you'd empower the tongue of this feeble preacher, that you'd guide me to say exactly what you once said, and that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding of these truths and show us our hearts. And Father, if our hearts are not oriented how they should be toward the truth, toward the Lord Jesus, then I pray that you'd give us repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Oh God, there, there's nothing more important that we could consider this morning than this. And so we pray that you'd help us to pay attention, to be attentive to what you have for us. Please speak to us now as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in 2 Timothy 3, we're going to find that all humanity fits in one of three categories as far as the direction of our heart goes. The first direction that your heart could be pointing this morning is number one, away from the truth. Away from the truth. 2 Timothy 3, the Bible says in verse 5, and if you remember last week's message, last Sunday night, uh, Paul is warning Timothy that in the last days there's going to be perilous times and that dangerous times, and he describes for Timothy what that's going to look like. And in verse 5, he's describing the predominant spirit of the age, and he says that there will be men, verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now the context here, Paul is dealing uh, with this trend in, in the latter days of silly women. And that word silly, it doesn't mean goofy necessarily. It means foolish, frivolous shallow. And the tendency will be that these women will be always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Today, this is probably the most informed generation in all of history, the most educated generation. Compared to uh, past eras, uh, women have an unprecedented opportunity for higher education 
uh, more today than ever in the past. And yet for all of this learning, for all of this knowledge, what has it done for us? We live in a generation that has done everything it can to degrade women and to destroy biblical femininity. 1 Timothy 5 verse 14, uh, God, God shows what His will is typically uh, for women in the church. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Now, of course, uh, being a single woman doesn't mean that you're out of God's will. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 uh, encourages people, if, if God has so called them, to remain single and devote their lives to the Lord. So being married isn't the, the only uh, thing that a, the, a Christian lady can do. And then Proverbs 31 makes it clear that uh, uh, even a stay-at-home mom uh, can be very industrious, can make a mark on the business world, can be selling to the merchants, can use a, a vast array of talents. But my point is this, that, that God intends for women's most noble uh, responsibility and most noble job to be that of raising children for the glory of God. Not the only thing that a woman can do, but one of the primary things. And yet, what has our society done? What does society frown upon and, and discourage? Women marrying, raising children, and, and, and prioritizing family. And in this generation, the typical female just goes along with the flow, goes along with society's trends. And, and this is what Paul is getting at here, that, that women will stray from God's ultimate best purpose for their lives. Now that's the context, but I believe there's a much broader application for all of us. Look at verse 7. It says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Knowledge. That means a type of understanding that comes from experience and observation. So you've seen something, you've experienced something, and now you know. And in Scripture, knowledge is almost always uh, in a relational context. You know, when two people are dating and thinking maybe about getting married, we, we say that they're trying to get to know each other. And that doesn't mean that they're compiling a list of random facts about one another. No, no, no. They, they want to grow and develop a relationship with each other. And that's what the word knowledge really means in Scripture. It's very relational. And remember, we saw at the beginning that truth is a person. Truth is the Lord Jesus. And what's so tragic in our day is that we've got people ever learning, and ever, it means always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge, to a firsthand experience, to a relationship with the truth. And Christian, you can get a top-notch education. You can get all kinds of degrees. You can watch all kinds of educational videos on YouTube, and you can read all the books in the Burnaby Public Library. 
You can fill your head with all kinds of learning, but if you don't know the Lord Jesus, it's all worthless. That's what the Apostle Paul was getting at. The Apostle Paul was a learned Pharisee. He was a teacher of the Jews. He was a Bible scholar. But you know what he said? What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, Dallas, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. Some of us can get so proud of how smart we are, of how intellectual, of how many degrees perhaps we have to our name. But if you don't know the Lord Jesus, it's all but dung. But there's another application to this. If you're an active member at Metro Baptist Church, you do a lot of learning. You come every service, you get three sermons per week. If you register for FBI, you get three hours of teaching every Monday and then scores of homework uh, reading assignments. And then if you're really ambitious, you sign up for electives and then you're doing classes in the summer. It's a whole lot of learning. But Christian, if you have not come to know Christ personally, intimately, if you cannot honestly say that he is your best and dearest friend, if you don't know him, what has all that learning got you? Let me ask you, Christian, for all the hours that you've sat in church, do you know Jesus? John 17, verse 3, the Lord Jesus said, This is life eternal. This is what God created you for. This is what you get to enjoy because Jesus Christ bled and died for your sins and rose from the grave. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And you can sit in church for the rest of your life, but notice the text. It says, ever learning, always and forever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That means that they will never be capable of knowing Christ intimately, personally. So the text is saying the way things are going for these type of people who are away from the truth, if their situation remains unchanged, they will never know Christ. And it doesn't matter how many hours you sit in this auditorium. It doesn't matter how many Bible reading plans you go through or how many Faith Bible Institute courses that you watch. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, it's all for naught. And if, if the things in this text that we see are in your life and they're not removed, you'll never be able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, the direction of our heart toward the truth will determine our daily habits. And if your heart is away from the truth right now, this is what's going 
to be manifest in your life. Your daily habits will be dominated by sin. Notice the description of these people that are away from the truth. First, they're led captive. And Paul talked about this in the previous chapter in verses 25 and 26 of chapter 2. When your heart drifts away from the truth, captivity to Satan is inevitable. Because truth is the only place of safety. And when you become a captive to Satan and his lives, he's not going to let you get close to Jesus. They're led captive. Then the text goes on and says they're laden with sins. They're weighed down by sins. You can't come. You can't arrive. You can't go to the knowledge of the truth if you're constantly weighed down by sin. You can't have fellowship with Christ and be walking in sin at the same time. 1 John makes that very clear. So when your heart is away from the truth, you'll be led captive. You'll be laden with sins. And then thirdly, you'll be led away with divers' lusts. When you and I let the flesh, our natural man, dictate how we live, our flesh will always lead us away from the truth. It will always lead us away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice it says divers' lusts. That means all kinds of evil desires. Christian, this would include a desire for worldly pleasure that supersedes or that is greater than your desire for communion with Christ. You know what's convicting? When we look at our app on our iPhone, I don't know what it is for Androids, but when you look at the app at your screen time and see how many hours you've been on this screen, what if we had an app that tracked our Bible time, our prayer time? Are we being led away with divers' lusts, away from a relationship with God? Some of us, it's a desire for ease or comfort that is greater than our desire to take up our cross and follow Christ. You know, we had a, a preacher come through recently and he made a great point from Scripture that serving the Lord is not convenient. Coming to church at 8 a.m., is that convenient? Absolutely not. But I'm so glad you're here and it shows that you have a desire, an earnest desire for the truth. Do we desire earthly treasure more than heavenly treasure? When there's a conflict between career and God's will, what do we choose? When money's tight, do we still tithe and give God His due? This reveals the state of our heart. And if we're away from the truth, we're going to be led away with divers' lusts. So this morning, perhaps... Our hearts are away from the truth. But then secondly, and often this results from the first one, but our hearts can also be against the truth. Against the truth. Notice verse 8 of our text. As Jannies and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Now, Jannies and Jambres aren't named in Scripture 
but it's referring to the magicians in Exodus who when Moses came to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and he showed signs that he really was a messenger of God because God allowed him to do miracles, these magicians, Jannies and Jambres, opposed and were against Moses, and they fabricated their own kind of magic and said, we don't need God. We can do the same things as Moses. And I believe the broad application of this for us, Christian, let me ask you, when the truth is presented to you on a regular basis from God's man, so whoever is standing in the pulpit declaring God's word, when the truth is presented to you, how does your heart respond? What did Jannies and Jambres do? They arrogantly opposed the truth. They said, we don't need God. Pharaoh, he hardened his heart. And when the truth is presented to us, here's how you can tell if your heart is hardened and against the truth. First, you don't believe it. The magicians, unlike the Israelites, didn't believe Moses. So when truth is presented to you, do you take it by faith or do you argue? Do you question? Do you doubt? That's an indicator that your heart is hardened and it's against the truth if you don't believe it. Another indicator is if you don't bow before God's truth. The Israelites in Exodus, when Moses came and gave them the word of God and told them God's going to deliver us, it says they bowed the head and worshipped. Is that how you approach the truth of God's word? Do you bow before it in humility? You know, sometimes you can see it on people's faces and there's this battle going on inside their heart. And there's not this submission to God's truth. Their heart is not bowed to God's word. Another indicator that our hearts are against the truth is when we don't obey. The Israelites were told in Exodus 12, they did all of the children of Israel, they did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. Christian, you know your heart is in a place of being against the truth if it doesn't want to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we arrogantly act like Jannies and Jambres and resist the truth, you're not resisting the preacher. You're not resisting your parents, teens. You're not resisting uh, the human authority figure you are resisting the Lord Jesus Christ who bled and died for your sins, who's the King of kings and Lord of lords. When your heart hardens itself against God's word and you resist it, you're stiff-arming the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and teens, I, I, I have to be transparent with you. I'm very burdened, very burdened. Because sometimes I can see in your faces and I can see in the way you respond to the word of God that you are resisting the truth. 
And your quarrel is not with me. It's not with any other authority figure. Your quarrel is with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've been begging God this week that you surrender your heart to him. That you stop living in arrogance, stop living in pride, and you would bow before the Lord Jesus and let his truth govern your life. And Christian, it's not just the teens. And I, I must look in the mirror and preach this to myself because every day there's this conflict. And may I ask you, are you humbly submitting to and obeying the truth or are you resisting the Lord Jesus in your heart? Thirdly, and I pray that this is what will characterize our lives. Oh yes, there are many who are away from the truth. They don't know the Lord Jesus. Oh yes, there are many who are against the truth. They're, they're resisting the Lord Jesus. But in perilous times like these, there are still Timothys who are after the truth. And Paul here, he's encouraging Timothy in verse 10. He says, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. You know what that word fully known means? It means to follow near. And Paul is saying, Timothy, you followed near to my doctrine, and you know it. You've got a relationship with it. It's real to you. Keep it up. Keep following near. Keep following me as I follow Christ. This doctrine of Paul's, where did he get it? Well, this doctrine of Paul's is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he tells us in Galatians 1 that he didn't get it from men, neither was he taught it of men, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says, this doctrine that I received of Jesus Christ, Timothy, you've been following it, keep it up. But I want you to notice the progression of the text here. Nothing in Scripture is on accident, and the order here is amazing. Look at verse 10. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, and then he goes on. Christian, this is how you know that your heart is after the truth. Your daily life is dictated by the Scriptures. The doctrine you hear on Sunday dictates your manner of life Monday through Saturday. That proves that we are after the truth. And it'll manifest itself this way. He says, manner of life, purpose. Can I ask you that word purpose? It means something planned beforehand. Are the plans that you make, are they subject to the plan that God has made for your life? Do you daily pray, thy will be done? And then do you mean it? And do you live it? Do you acknowledge God in all your ways? Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. Christian, are we acknowledging God in all our ways? How many daily decisions do we make without acknowledging the truth. A heart that is after the truth, our purpose will be in line with God's purpose for our life. 
also you'll be living by faith. Living by faith is as the Apostle Paul put it, we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't make decisions based on what we see, but what we know to be true about our God. Are you walking by faith, Christian? Or are you making decisions based purely on your wisdom, what you can see, what you understand? Are you walking with God by faith? God does not have to do anything else for you and me to prove that he deserves our faith. And some of us are waiting around for, for God to do something to prove that he deserves our faith. He sent his son to die for us. He deserves for us to follow him by faith wherever that leads. If our hearts are after the truth, we'll be long-suffering toward those who mistreat us. How patient are we with people who sin against us? And boy, that should convict every single one of us. Long-suffering, charity. Can I ask you, Christian, is there an abundance of Christ-like love just overflowing in your life toward your family, toward your classmates, toward your coworkers, toward your neighbors? That's the life of someone after Christ, after the truth. There'll be this Christ-like charity, this self-sacrificial love. And finally, there'll be this patience, this joyful endurance in the midst of persecutions, in the midst of afflictions. And Christian, can I ask you, have you been suffering anything for your faith? Because the Bible says here in verse 12, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If our Christianity, if our, if our relationship with God hasn't brought any kind of difficulty into our lives, we're not after the truth. Because when you're after the Lord Jesus... You'll be right where he was, and he suffered. But you'll bear it with patience. In conclusion, let me give you that statement once again. The direction of your heart in relation to the truth. And remember, the truth is not an abstract uh, set of ideas. It's not a religious dogma. It's a person. And your, the direction of your heart in relation to the Lord Jesus determines your daily habits, and those daily habits will determine your destiny hereafter. And in this text, we don't have time to go into it, but we have two options. Verse 9, it says that those who resist the truth, their folly shall be manifest. One day we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus. If you're not a believer in Christ, it's going to be the great white throne. If you are a believer, it's at the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand before our Lord and give account for our lives. And everything that we prioritize above our relationship with him will be seen as dung and folly. But the alternative that every single one of us can leave this building this morning choosing is to be after the truth and to be able to look forward to with Paul the crown of righteousness that is laid up for those who love the appearing of Christ and are after him, whose lives are dictated by this book. Christian, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we're not going to hand over a sheet that has all the hours we spent in church or all the good deeds that maybe we did. All that's going to matter is what direction our heart was in relation to Jesus Christ. And let me ask you, is your heart this morning away from Christ? 
Do you know him? Or is he just words on a page and lyrics to a song? Or are you against the truth? Are you actively resisting the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Lord Jesus in your life? Or are you after the truth? You want with everything inside you for this book to dictate your manner of life. And you want to hear when this life is over, well done. I pray that we all will be after the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for how you've spoken to us this morning. And we thank you that you want us to live an abundant life in Jesus Christ. And Lord, wherever we're at this morning, would you please reveal the state of our hearts and give us repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and help us all to determine to be after the truth. Lord, we pray especially for our young people as they go to camp this week, that their hearts would be sensitive, receptive, and surrendered to the truth of your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.